Hello and welcome to Get Me Another, a podcast where we explore those movies that followed in the wake of blockbuster hits and attempted to replicate their success. My name is Chris Iannacone and with me, as always, is my co-host Rob Lamorgis. And I was afraid... I'd have to do without my bratwurst. I know. I know how that goes. Uh, this is episode two in our series, Get Me Another Bird with the Crystal Plumage, in which we're exploring the wave of giallo movies that followed the huge success of Dario Argento's watershed film, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Today, we'll be talking about one of the most prolific giallo directors and one of the most influential behind Bava and Argento, Sergio Martino. And joining us today is a very special guest, Jeff Garlock from two, not one, but two of our favorite podcasts, The Canon Canon and 108.9 The Hawk, the home of classic rock in beautiful Valverde. Welcome back to the show, Jeff. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me back to talk about one of my favorite topics. Giallos. Oh, yes. We are very excited. These are fascinating movies. I've been prepping all week. I, I uh, refilled the eyewash station for <laughs> all the sleaze that's going to get in there. I have the most yeah, beautiful eyes to pierce and let flow. Uh, oh, wait. They are a little more sleazy than the films from last week. Like, there's a certain... And, and we say that with the utmost love. Martino, baby. That's Martino for you. It's a little sleaze here. <laughs> that's how he works. The fine line between it's more sensual and more sleazy. That's how he works movie by movie, even. It is such a fine line. My my goodness. So as, as we mentioned, both of our films today were directed by Sergio Martino, who, like Bava and Argento, came from a filmmaking family. In fact, his brother Luciano Martino produced both films uh, today as well. And we begin with the first of Martino's Gialli, 1971's The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward. Not that strange, by the way. <laughs> no. Not that strange when you actually get to what the vice is. You're just like, I, okay. I had that, you know, it's not that strange. And I said to myself, well, is it just me? Am I, am I just When so you finally get to it, you're just like, okay. I mean, it's like a light variation of BDSM with like a blood fetish. <laughs> okay. I mean, I guess 71. Sure. Yeah. The perfectly understandable vice of Mrs. Ward wasn't as good of a sell. Yeah. Yes. So, look, it's not for me exactly, but Godspeed for you, vice of Mrs. Ward. <laughs> That if done with consent and basic safety precautions, vice of Mrs. Ward. The as long as both parties have agreed and are engaging in a sexual union. And there it is. Everything's copacetic, then it's your vice, Ms. Ward. Has been marked for terror by a killer who leaves no clues. Has no motives. Only an insatiable desire for strange, morbid, eerie, devilish kicks. His perversion knows no limit until... <laughs> what strange vice pushed this man to beautiful women? their throats. (laughs) Slowly, silently, almost as if he were not there, and yet... (laughs) 
there's no way of telling who's next. The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, released in the U.S. under the titles Blade of the Ripper and Next, was written by Eduardo Manzanos Buchero, Ernesto Gastaldi, and Vittorio Carania, and features several actors who we'll be seeing many times over the course of this series, specifically stars Edwidge Fennec and George Hilton. And you could tell right off the bat why these two are stars. Holy crap, are they great and sexy. Uh, I like watching these two together. They are fantastic. That's that's how giallos and giallis work. Is that yeah. you like part of the allure is like you're just like these are all very attractive people. And in a time when people were attractive in a different uh, 70s free spirit <laughs> loving way in the best way possible. Absolutely. I mean, you know, but my vinegar syndrome library proves that if nothing else. Yes. <laughs> And I just want to, you know, by, I guess, by uh, backhanded uh, shaming the stars of today, maybe. It's so great to see totally hot people who look huge. Yes. Yes. Uh, living in L.A. area, like, they, uh, there's a lot of, like, beautiful people I walk by that you're like, you're an alien. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're just not really a human being, but, like, if Edwig walked by, he'd be like, oh, my goodness. Oh, yes. my goodness. And I mean, if, if George, George Hilton walked by, look, George Hilton walked by. He doesn't look like by, he's been eating just steamed chicken for six years. Yeah. You know, like, he, Fabio Testi walked by. If it was just, like, truly, like, leave, <laughs> just keep listing Italian giallo actors and actresses. <laughs> They're all oh. just like, my. oh, Thomas Milan just walked by? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the film also features Ivan Rosimov, Alberto Di Mendoza, and Conchita Eroldi. And right off the bat, we can see a significant difference from the two movies we discussed last week. We don't open in a fashion house or an art gallery, but we open up cruising down a street lined with prostitutes. And oh, yeah. it's just like, okay, well, now we know where we are. There's a sleazier <laughs> vibe to the whole thing, and I love it. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, accompanied by amazing music. Absolutely, that is the that is the the the, the qualifying parts of Giallo's is that it will always be feeling a little sleazy, but with music that can't be denied. Yep. And honestly, if there if the if you deny it, I can't be friends. I just don't know. Most time for all Italian exploitation and genre film, they are the masters of soundtrack. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's. Well, I mean, first of all, like, you know, 50% of the movies in this series, you know, Ennio Morricone did the score for. And if it ain't Ennio, it's Goblin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and if it's not Goblin, it's Osana. Yes. Like, I can just start going the list of, like, Italian <laughs> Prague, like, waiting for Il Bieto de Bronzo to show up and be like, yeah, I don't know, I... I did the soundtrack to Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man. Deal with it. <laughs> and can we just talk about for one second? Because Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man is one of the most amazing movie titles I've ever heard. Love it. All of these have great... The strange vice of Mrs. Ward with the with the extra H at the end just so that some woman in Italy wouldn't, wouldn't sue, sue them. them. Uh, it is the pain in the butt like complaint that I have where I was like, who am I to say Tarantino did something wrong? But like in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like to me, the first time I watched it, I got over it because I'm not a pain at a certain point. But I was like, all of the titles he came up with just aren't as uh, loquacious, uh, bombastic, honestly, as real ones. Like there, it's yeah. just like, and especially like something like "Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man," which means nothing, nothing <laughs> in relation to that Polizio movie. But is it? I couldn't stop thinking. I love that movie, and also has. 
and equally preposterous. And we'll get to it when we get to the plane exploding <laughs> scene, the yes. boat exploding scene at the end of Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man. That's just a little toy model is beautiful. <laughs> And also, speaking of two beautiful men yeah. holding each other on a motorcycle <laughs> while they open hand slap all of Rome, uh, it's the best. <laughs> oh, God. God bless Italian cinema. I mean, I bet all of Rome deserves it. As, as far as I, the yeah. main thing I've learned from Italian 70s cinema is all of Rome deserves an open hand slap or whipping. <laughs> Uh, this this year we open cruising down the street, lined with prostitutes. One woman gets into the car, and we hear the sound of plane landing in the in nearby airport, and she becomes, uh, alas, the victim of a razor wielding sex maniac. And it's just classic yellow stuff. I mean, it's just sex and death, a black glove and a razor, and there you go. Both Martino films are sex fiends. I mean, I had to remind myself. When I was watching our second film, I had to like go back and be like, Mrs. Ward has a sex fiend too, right? Yeah. Like, and I went back in my notes. I was like, okay, yeah, they all blur sometimes. And <laughs> especially when we're watching two of the same. And, you know, we'll also, as you will point out, Martino repeats themes often. Yes. Uh, which is a great <laughs> part of it. There's certain things that Martino has. It kind of, well, well, I mean, I'm very curious when we get to the end, later part of the series, we'll circle back to Martino sure. with some of his later films to see how that, that has developed. But after the murder, I guess we pause for a quote. Great quote. And it is, I will, I will read this quote. <laughs> the very emphasis of the commandment, thou shalt not kill, makes it certain we are descended from an endlessly long chain of generations of murderers whose love of murder was in their blood as it perhaps also is in ours. And the quote is from Sigmund Freud, and it's a cool quote. They hold off on that, too. I'm not sure it really has anything to do with the no. movie. Like, no. I, no, it's just, like it's all, just there. We're all monsters. Let's have sex at a party and <laughs> like, razor it's slash. It's not really apropos, but it's there. And then, you know, we, 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 then we are introduced. Landing in Vienna is diplomat Neil Ward and his wife, Julie, who are returning after an extended stay in New York. And holy shit, the introduction of Edwige Fennec on the escalator coming down, it's just... Like, she is fantastic in this film and gorgeous, and she looks amazing in everything she wears. And I I don't know. I just love scenes where people arrive in airports. I don't know why, but I really do. As stunning, stunning human beings arriving in airports in the 70s that look like the TWA uh, <laughs> yes. uh, like uh, section of LaGuardia um, and JFK. It's the best. No, I mean, and and yeah, she's just, she's stunning. She's every moment she's in. I mean, that's why she's a go-to in my brain when I use a reference point on the Hawk, especially. <laughs> uh, I sh yeah, we've we mentioned that Mrs. Ward, the, the, the name Ward is spelled W-A-R-D-H and the H at the end, because a woman in Italy with that name threatened legal action. There's no word on if she actually had any strange vices or not, or even just sort of normal vices. She was a blood freak. But, you know, uh, that was enough. That I love that their answer is, oh, we're not going to change the name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to put an H at the end. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's how we're going to pronounce it the same way. And was there, there was no court case though, right? No. I don't think so. No, it no wasn't. No court case. Yeah. So, you know, if an actual human being wants to see you in Italy over your uh, giallo, you don't go to court. But if someone after the fact thinks you might have harmed an animal. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. You are yes. going Jesus to court. Uh, yes. yeah, oh. It is amazing that that's the thing that they got worried about was a name out of yeah. all of the copyright questioning moves that 
every Italian movie has ever made at all times. All of them, yeah. Because there is no copyright law. It's pure Thunderdome. <laughs> I bring it up all the time. The cop in blue jeans that is just Serpico. And they have a poster of Serpico in the background <laughs> of his apartment while he's dressed as Serpico is beautiful. <laughs> I, was, I was in Naples one time and someone said to me, it's the worst. It's the second worst city in world, the world to drive in after Istanbul. And it, it occurs to me that Italy is the, probably the second worst city for copyright infringement after Turkey. Because then yeah. the, the Turks, they just, you know, they just, they'll take the whole movie Turkish like they did Star with Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, forget about it. But like the Italian's not quite that far, but it's close. I mean, it's, yes, it's beautiful though. It makes for hundreds of movies. It is the perfect uh, country for your podcast because you could only do Italy and then you could possibly be like, you could have done get me another Giallo and, and gone for two years. We really could have just done all Italian movies. I mean, get me another, get me another star Wars, get me another Conan, get me another Indiana Jones. There were movies we had to leave out. We just could not. Yes. We just, it just couldn't. You get in the Polizio movies, you get into Pulpa movies, you don't even get into the gore movies, the zombie movie. Like, it's just like. Oh, my God. I mean. Oh, you could do Sword and Sandal. How many Hercules? My God. It's a. There are so many variations. But, like, what's. And that that's how it. Like, my, it's almost like my wife is like bummed when I find a new variation. Because it's just like, oh, no. <laughs> We're going to be watching all these weird Polizio movies now. And. Digging up soundtracks. <laughs> well, Neil Neil and his wife Julie come back, and Neil's immediately whisked off to the embassy. Julie is taken to their apartment in a cab, and, and there's a stop along the way establishing that the murder from the opening was committed by a sex fiend who had been killing for some, some amount of time. And the cab driver, he advocates bringing back the death penalty so the sex perverts could really get what they deserve. With a, with a great overdubbed voice. A wonderful... <laughs> As they all do, but just like, I don't believe that's it, perverse. She'll go to jail. You're just, oh, yeah, right. Starting off strong with this voice. See, they saw Suspiria and were like, let me get that cab driver's voice, which I think might be Argento. (laughs) That triggers a memory of Julie and a man who will soon learn is her previous lover, Jean. And we see this scene where they're they're arguing and it's raining and and it's slow motion and the raindrops are enormous. And Jean beats her and then kisses her and then she kisses him back. Uh, I'll just say clearly, this is not what one would call a healthy relationship. God, no. No, this is the wrong kind of slow motion for a healthy relationship. <laughs> the raindrops are too big. It's it's a relationship where Sam Peckinpah is your couple's counselor. Like, and it's just like, you know, he's just like, yes, you should hit her. And then she's happy about it for some reason. Right. Just have another drink. You'll be fine. It'll, be, it'll all be okay. Have one more drink. Get drunker around your, around your lover. But here's the thing. This scene is cruel. It's violent. It's not how you should treat a lady. We'll just say that up front. But holy shit, it's beautiful to look at. Like that's and that's there. There it is. That's, that's the, the Giallo, Giallo way right there. <laughs> it's also, by the way, the beginning of the first to me a a Giallo staple that is you know Argento embraces it the most. But we we we've talked about it on the Canon Can. It's the needlessly complicated shot. <laughs> like it's that's yes. the, that to me is like the benchmark of Italian movies, and one of the reasons I love them so much is the. When it's needlessly complicated, like police 
light in the camera pulling back to some like it, it, all of those where you're like it took a lot of work and someone gave you money yeah. to do this it's amazing the speed of the camera is going to change yeah. like midstra like it's it's yeah it's amazing well julie does go home and she sees a car that she thinks might be john i want to talk about julie's apartment because the green horizontal stripes on on this wall on the draperies it's it's the absolute epitome of like decadent seventies Euro style. Like I, there's there's a part of me that wants to live in that apartment in that world, and it's bad things would happen. Bad things would happen. Yes, hundred percent. Again, we will be murdered in this world, and yet we still want to go there. That is also a giallo. Yes, yeah. it is the allure of Martina. Like, and and that's the 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 in the past couple of years the the revisiting I've had on my end of Sergio Martino's work is his best work embraces the uh, uh, borderline Italian version of like Austin Powers style, right? like of the time, like, but more so than anyone else, like the other directors, like even more than Argento or like it's, and, and when Lindsay will dip his toe in all that, it's just like, he has a, a taste and a, an eye for what feels like, at least in my mind, what truly is like the fabulous seventies, like, yeah. and from aesthetic, from clothing to uh, the way people talk to each other, to apartments, like, and you know, uh, spoiler, when we get to Scorpion's Tale, it loses, it doesn't have as much of that. Right. Because, and to me, one of the things that makes Martino a different type of Gialli director than others is he has a, a handle on that. Uh, in you know, versus Argento's is this dreamlike atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. And and Martino has it obviously, and a little bit less in these movies. But like he embraces it again in just the fabulous seventies. Which when we get to the party, we'll talk about that more. But I love that apartment. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, you know, when when they when they're able to create like the robots from Westworld. I don't want to go to the old West. I want to go to like Italy in the seventies, hundred percent, and hang out there. He's the closest to, I if I like he's the to me is the merging of like the coolest version of like the Italian neorealism realism mixed with French New Wave. Yeah, through this lens, through yeah. Gialli lens, like he has more of a he has more of a handle on it and feels younger than the d- other directors who are older but right. still doing this like swinging seventies thing. But like, you're like, you look at like Fulci's face and you're like, okay, I don't know if you exactly have a handle on some of this stuff, but Godspeed. Man. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we will get to uh, a lizard in a woman's skin in a yeah. couple episodes. Yeah. And you know, there's a, you know, it was very clear watching that movie, how Fulci felt about the hippies. Like it oh, was God, just yes. like, you know, like it's, yeah. It's interesting you say that Martina with the French New Wave influences, because when, when she comes home in the sequence, she is, of course, stripping to get into the bath. So you're getting a little of the TNA. I didn't notice. It's in this locked off shot. And then you there's, you know, the door, someone at the door. And she goes, oh, and she covers herself in kind of embarrassment. But the thing is, this is all playing to the locked off shot. Right, right. It plays as if she's embarrassed because she saw us looking right. at her. Yeah. In that moment. Now, I this movie doesn't always play with things like that, but it, it was interesting that it happened so early and right after a, a couple different moments of titillation, uh, you know, that were totally on purpose. It's, but. It, but that's why it's uh, the, the Giallis are the ultimate record nerd genre to me. Because it is like they are just like... 
There's thousands of them you can collect from watching. So many. They all merge, but also you find those like hidden gems in moments like that where it's just like, no, no. Like when you're talking to like a normo who like is just like, oh, you like horror movies like Halloween. And I'm like, yes, Halloween's my favorite. But also <laughs> you don't want me to go off about Giallo's like, but because <laughs> I'll go off on Waza like with sections like that where it's just like. No, actually, like film theory applies to all this stuff. You can do these deep reads like they're not. Yes, they're not. Even though it's Italy and they pump out hundreds of these, there still is. They're all filmmakers in Italy. I think that's yeah. the biggest thing. They all are like. And we also worked with uh, Sergio Leone. We all did that. Yeah. And we we cut our teeth and they're workmen. That's it. They're they're weirdly the Italian filmmakers are the most workmen and artistic all at the same time. Where French New Wave feels like we're being artistic, right? And and Italian George is like, no, I made a hundred movies. I don't care about half of them. Yeah, half of them are weird comedies with Bud Spencer and Terrence Stamp. <laughs> but when I get the chance to do it, I'm also gonna fucking like bring in some like thought out scenes. I'm playing with what the, what the viewer is seeing, what you were saying, right? Like what we are seeing. And that like the, the idea that this is fake, that this is an artifice. Like they embrace that more than most directors in the best way possible. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, that scene in, in blood and black lace that I mentioned last week, where it feels like the camera moves one of those, one of those mannequins out of the way. And it's not, the character, it's the camera, it, it, you know, is an active participant uh, in the scene. And it's a culture that I don't, it, it's not like in a, uh, 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 sometimes I feel like people will watch like even like Japanese film or like Korean film, like with this, like, oh, I really don't understand this other culture. But like with Italy, there is like, it's like a familiarity, but also what moves are they making uh, so, uh, story writing, uh, the way they shoot things, because they're just trying something new and it's what is based off of something from their pat, like the fact that they like right. grew up with like, honestly, like opera and like whatever various things. And like, I remember the first time I went to Rome being in the middle of a piazza and I was just like, Oh, in the, at night. And I was like, Suspiria makes more sense. Right. Like I never understood when the dog rips the, conductors like neck out i was like where was where is everyone and then i would be like oh that's what happens like it's a different it's a creepier quiet city yeah like surrounded by ancient architecture but also new fabulous people like uh and it all made sense to me i was like oh right i'm watching this with an american lens right like i need to watch it with like an italian lens and a filmmaker lens i just think they're they're true filmmakers in Italy, but that's my role. I, I had a similar, I had a similar where like I had trouble getting out of my early 21st century lens for the second film. We'll talk about that in a yeah. bit. Rob, you mentioned that there's someone at the door when she's in, in the, and that is actually a bouquet of flowers from her ex, Jean, who just with, sends notes and the note, like the note on the flowers reads, the worst part of you is the best thing you've got and it will always be mine. And I, I put that in my wife's Valentine's Day card last year. Oh, yeah. I mean, just coincidentally. Some of my wedding vows, I think. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a terrible thing to say, but it's such a stylish way to say it. And that's Giallo right there. Terrible, way to say, terrible thing to say, stylish way to say it. That is a good summary of Giallo. <laughs> I mean, what do you do when your husband's working around the clock and your, your sadistic ex is stalking you? What do you do? You go to your friend Carol's house for a party. Yeah. This party Man. holy shit 
Let's let's get the, the meat and potatoes out of the way. We meet Carol's distant cousin, George, who's played by George Hilton. Bizarro Thomas Milan. I always say, like, he just looks like yeah. Thomas Milan to me, and it throws me off every time he comes He up. had a vibe of, like, early 70s European Warren Beatty. 100%. Like, yeah. it's just... Yeah, but better with a knife. And he's inherited... He and Carol have inherited the estate of a wealthy uncle. And it's just like, hey, let's have champagne to celebrate. And, you know, like it, it all, it's just the sexiest people in a sexy place. And then we have to talk about the, the scene with the clothes being ripped off because holy shit, this is the weirdest thing. Like you hear these people at the party talking to the crowd how about how these two girls are dancing or wearing paper dresses. And so, hey, we should just rip off their clothes. And someone starts tearing at them. And that at first the dancers are horrified, but then everybody starts to laugh and stu- instead of including Julie, George, and Carol, and the dancers start laughing. And it is nightmarish, bizarre, and nevertheless erotic all at the same time. Let me be clear. This is not something you should do at a party, folks. God, Don't no. do this. Even if you think the, the dress is made of paper, that is not appropriate. And it's horrifying, but it's also something, you know? It's it's a lot. You talk about the, the red herrings in last week, and obviously a lot of these movies will have red herrings, but this movie in particular is so interesting because as each character is introduced, I feel you're not only given a possible motive, a reason that they might be the killer. You're also given a reason why they're terrible and deserve to die. Yes. And you're also given another reason why they might be your best friend. Yes. If you just let them. <laughs> and it's, I it's mean, and that there. is, that, that is again, the element that comes out in Giallo's is like, if you really watch when you're like, and in Italian movies, like when it's like only fairly recently of just like, you know, basically like realizing like, I mentioned before, like Fulci's read on humanity. And it was just that like, and it's, it's basically what you're pointing out is what it to me actually is what I think that Freud quote is thrown in there for and gets buried in the stylism. But that is, there is a, I hesitate to say that there's a nihilism in, in Giallo's, but it honestly, to me, it's more of like a realism. Yeah through this artifice this idea of just like yeah everyone's a little bit of a monster and might be ready to murder and also could be your best friend like it's not like it doesn't ever it's not i wouldn't say doesn't ever there are certainly ones that read even parts of torso read as negative uh and like (laughs) mean-spirited but like often when it works is when it's just like yeah i don't know it's it's this huge artifice in a uh, uh, a realistic manner of what humanity weirdly is. And, and in a crazy way, it's to me, it's like uh, uh, when Wes Anderson movies work the best, when it's like right. they've he's worked so hard to right. make this crazy artifice, but really it's hiding that like, oh, that line was the most humanistic line you've heard in a long time. And it gets buried. Yeah. And yeah, I think like you watch this and it's just like, Maybe that part that party is so over the top and also is maybe more realistic for what is going on in most people's brains at parties or groups of larger people. The whole relationship between Julie and Carol, like they're clearly best friends that like, you know, frenemies, baby. <laughs> she's going to go drop off ransom money for her. Like, she'll, like yeah. we'll get to that. But at the same time, like she also invites John to the party because she's like, well, you know. 
you know, whatever. I just invited John and John's like, you know, he's all creepy and stuff. Like, my God, that act, Ivan Rasimov, like he just, he just, it's intense. Exudes creep. Yeah. Like yes. you could, you, you, it, we tough to cast him as just sort of the nice next door neighbor. Like that's yeah. like coming over for some sugar. It's like, and, and am I wrong? But Carol knows that. She married another man specifically just to get away from Sean. Carol's an instigator, man. Carol's definitely an instigator. Carol's an instigator. I don't know what her deal it's is. It's hard to, and I'll say this is part of the uh, the Giala thing is like even, it's part of the weird part of it as I'm just thinking about Carol. Like, I think I could be wrong, but because, you know, Giallo's Italian movies, they were done without live sound. Right. So they dub over everyone partly because of some crazy edict by Mussolini at one of point of course um, to stop fascism like or stop him people calling out fascism it doesn't make oh, any God. sense completely but also because everyone's from a different country right. so I can't ever imagine that set like it's amazing they got such good acting sometimes out of like that person speaking German yeah. to me <laughs> and I'm speaking <laughs> English but uh, they use a lot of the same voices, too. And there are people who know a lot more about this stuff than I do who would be like, oh, yes, it's that voice actor. But like every time Carol talks, I'm like, I think that's who's also Daria Nicolodi's oh. voice in most of Argento's. <laughs> and then I start to feel like a cozy, warm blanket, right. like this this fucked up movie. But I'm so like calm and just like, ah, I'm in a comfortable place because it's the same voices and the same faces. Uh, even when Carol is being a terrible, terrible friend, friend. Yeah, she should not have invited no, this man. No, I mean, this guy said he's got, oh, that is a great line. Oh my God. John's line to her. Nothing unites people like having a vice in common. Oh my goodness. Beautiful. I don't even know if it's true, but it sounds amazing. He does it there. Yeah. Martino has, a, I mean, a lot of Italians do, but he definitely has a knack for, writing those kind of Oscar Wildisms yeah. that in like where you like are like, yeah, man. And then after you're like, wait, oh, wait what? <laughs> I don't know if that applied. I don't even know if those words work well together, <laughs> but he does also have his key like vice. He's obsessed. He loves with that word. I love the word vice. vice. But with Martino, we may all be lying in the gutter, but we are sure as shit not looking at the stars. No. I'll say that. No. <laughs> <laughs> true. Exactly. Like we, we get, we get this flash just, about this time we get this another flashback of Julie and Jean where we get a peek at the strange vice where he like pours what looks to be champagne over and breaks the bottle covering with broken glass he cuts her with the bottle and she likes it and as we sit at the top like it's not that strange I mean it's yeah it's moderately kinky and you should take basic safety precautions and everybody should be consenting. Yes. But other than that, it's like uh, that broken glass is a little big yeah. and, you know, you might want to watch out for well, getting too cut. Uh, watch out for a major vein. Honestly, that's I think you should thing. wear goggles just, if know. that's the thing you're into, because you don't want to get a piece of glass in your eye. That's it. If you get just even the little piece of glass, just the tiniest piece is going to really fuck you up, Mrs. Warda. Nothing's less sexy than a trip to the emergency room. Exactly. Like just, no one's. I would love to if like a Martino character character delivered that line to it's just like there's nothing so unsexy as a trip to the emergency room 
Honestly, that sounds like a Carol line. Yeah, that it does feel like, like a Carol. Like Carol walks Carol in line. to this flashback, this slow uh, mo flashback of glass <laughs> falling on Mrs. Ward over pervert and maniac. Yeah, and, and talk to your recycle center. Yes. Your local recycling center <laughs> needs to be made aware that the broken glass will be coming their well, way. What's interesting, though, is despite providing the title of the film, the movie isn't really about her so-called vice. Like, it's a background to her story and her relationship, but that's not the crux of it but it sounds dope right oh it sounds so dope it really that's does. it i mean honestly there's your logic i mean i get it i'm with you it doesn't have anything to do with it really and, and frankly does this movie actually have a protagonist because i i'm not sure that it really more does. than the next one well, yes the next one really yeah. has no in this yeah i think both the idea is the protagonist yeah. and you're just dealing with the idea but again i think a lot of these movies we wind up being the protagonist yeah absolutely yeah. because the only one who's there from start to finish trying to figure out the the mystery is the audience yeah like crystal plumage does a good better job obviously like i you have sam like it yeah like he and he sets that template of he's not a cop but he's gonna investigate right yeah like but yeah in this like yeah now i'm like oh it doesn't completely follow who is Yeah, this is more like blood and black lace where you're just kind of moving from one one crime to the next you know and here you you get the night of the party mrs ward is just like dealing with it she's just like yeah she's just she's got a lot to contend with admittedly She's got a lot going on in her <laughs> life, you know? She's got this strange vice, you know? You know. It's, it's moderately, you know, moderately. <laughs> but, like, the night of the party, that another girl is killed by this razor-wielding killer. And this time, it's one of the dancers who had her paper clothes ripped off. And this time, the murder occurs while she's taking what I would describe as a leisurely shower. Like, it's... A, it's, it's oh, yeah. it, all of the things that Hitchcock could not show in Psycho... Well, Martino is gonna is gonna give you the whole bag right there, and it's yeah, I gotta suffer from a lack of nudity no, in Martino films, no. and it's actually gonna not feel weirdly too gratuitous. <laughs> like it, I mean, oddly, it just feels like the world they're living Honestly. in. Honestly, Edwig will always get naked. <laughs> like it's almost like to a point where you're like, oh, she's naked again. Okay, sure. But right. holy shit, when Carol learns about that murder, the 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 girl, like she's got that line. We should be grateful he's eliminating our competition. Holy shit, Carol! Like, wow! Yeah. We should be grateful he's eliminating our competition. <laughs> Just, I love her delivery. Always. She is the best. If anyone has something strange about her in this movie, it's Carol. Yeah. But that Carol is unaffected by anything except for Bratwurst. The strange morals of Carol. Can I can I tell you I was really compelled by Carol. I yeah, won't yeah. lie to you. I'm gonna I'm just gonna be completely honest with you. Carol really kinda <laughs> I, I know, and we just just gorgeous, but like Carol, there's something about her. She's just she's she's a little wrong. Look, there's a, we can get into the Freud. That's why they mentioned <laughs> Freud. Yes. She would be the complicated woman I would have a crush on and then be like, what am I doing? She is making me feel like garbage. Yes, no, it would be a total mistake. I know that. I know that. Yeah. Like, Yes. No, you can fix her. <laughs> she just needs a good man. Uh, yeah. We all can fix yeah. Carol. Oh, my God. So we, we, we have to talk about having lunch because we have the most sexually charged lunch date with Carol, Julie, and George. Holy shit. Uh, I mean, this is uh, yeah, honestly, it's 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 so sexually charged. I almost I don't even know. Like it's yeah. 
it's the closest to the melodramatic soap opera style, yes. like that Martino hat. Like it's a little bit like very much is like, oh, and also when you're like, it's about bratwurst. <laughs> there's a lot of weird like where you're like, they're talking about meat and I'm not even yep. convinced it's in a sexual in you. No, no, I feel like it would be meat. Like literally just this is good. Yeah, meat here. <laughs> it's. It's unappetizing conversation mixed yeah. with the most sensual <laughs> meal that's ever happened all at he's once. He's got the apple. He's got the apple that he's carving his initial to into. Yeah. Why do they just serve random apples at this German restaurant? Like, it seems. No, I think he brought it with him to do of the bit. Of course he did. Of course. <laughs> he knew. That's his bit, yeah. man. Oh. This freaking, that's his peacocking move. That mystery <laughs> taught him that. Bring an apple. Carve your letter into it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I also now am realizing, like, I need to, again, rewatch more Martina and be like, do they do weird erotic food in all of them? Because it's like, you know, we'll get to it's bratwurstness and then goulash. Oh, the goulash. I have, in the I have thoughts about the goulash. I have a lot of thoughts about the goulash. These are two separate bad meals. But I can't remember if, like, in your vice... Is a locked room if there's like a liver and onions meal that they're like sharing. <laughs> we'll come to it at the end, of, we're doing naked, that later in like the series. Like some fucked up meal. <laughs> we'll find. You let me know because I don't know if I need to watch your vice for the billionth time. I will. Time, I, we but... absolutely will. Oh like, yeah. Honestly, watching this, I'm surprised, and maybe it's just not the, the era, but I'm surprised the three of them didn't go off and have a threesome right there, given like all the sultry close-ups. Just imagine it's going to. I mean, that's the beauty of Jello. It's like, if it happened, you wouldn't be surprised. You'd just be like, yeah, sure. Oh, it's her cousin. And we kind of forgot that part. They're distant yeah. cousins. They're not yeah, first he, cousins. Yeah, he got, yeah, they're distant cousins. They're using the porn rule, like, <laughs> lately for just, like, this is how we get away with this sketchy, sketchy porn. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I... Because Carol is jealous. Well, she's got to leave. And she says on her way out, she's got that parting line. After all, you're far better off alone with your apple. (laughs) (laughs) But Julie and George do commence an affair. And what's interesting about the affair is that, like, Edwige Fennec is so winning and likable that I didn't even find myself judging for it. Like, oh, she's having an affair. But, like, it's... It's Italy and it's oh it's Vienna I guess it's Vienna in 1971 like it's just it's just what happens. Her husband's distant. He's a diplomat. The husband's he's busy. busy. He's a busy guy, <laughs> you know. And she's got needs. And there's this shot. It, they, so she goes to George's house to 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 make love. There's this shot from the ceiling down where she is on top of his body and they're both naked. Yeah. It's the, it is just, it's really hot. Like, I won't lie to you. It's really hot. Like, I mean, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to pussyfoot around this here. It's, I mean, it's a scene with a peeper outside and I'm kind of on the side of the peeper. Yeah. I mean, it's because he's out there. He's like, this is a beautiful shot. Yeah, like this it's is beautifully just, framed. You know, uh, Julie gets more <laughs> flowers from John. This time the card reads, now I know you're trying to get away from me, but your vice is like a locked room from the inside and only I have the key, which of course would be the title of one of his later celebrated giallos. Yeah. I mean, also starring in Wage Fennec and Ivan Rasimov. It's amazing. He He's yeah. planning the title of a future movie in this movie. Like that's some like Kevin Feige level shit right there. It's, it's amazing. The, yes. The Martino cinematic universe is, is deep <laughs> with the same actors and lines. It is beautiful. I I do have a band named after your vices a lockdown. Oh, that's room. fantastic! Uh, I I I did a record during the lockdown. The band was called Your Vice, and then the album was called Is a Locked Room. 
Um, but it, and part of it was that it was all this music I had written for Vice magazine uh, years ago. Me and the me and the singer of my band, Panthers and Orchid, we they asked us to write music for this like travel documentary they were making, and we wrote I wrote like sixteen punk and metal songs really? in like two days and then we recorded them in one day that's amazing and then during the pandemic i was like oh i'm gonna put vocals to all of these like after all because i own right. them and so i just matched what style of vocal went with each one and then wrote like jokey hardcore metal or like jesus lizardy style lyrics that's fantastic related to the pandemic at the time <laughs> and i just called it your vice is a locked room because i love that movie so much and it just seemed to work when I put it into collegiate font for a youth crew hardcore. That is fantastic. Font. Absolutely. Oh. But I always got to give that nod to Gialli because I just love him so much. I shove him in everywhere. <laughs> it's once you once you enter that that rabbit hole, it is very hard to it's like, oh, I, you know, there's all these other like there's so, and there's so many of them. My God, the Italians. I need to reread it, but that and and it'll probably I'll touch on this a little bit more even in the the Scorpion sale. But there's that um, Patton Oswalt wrote that book about film watching. Oh yeah, I've seen yeah, and he like kind of realized like it's basically like starts to be like I'm not really even like taking them in anymore. It's just to like say I've seen them. Yeah. Is, to me is how it read, and I was like, yeah, I definitely. There was a period in like 2009, 10, I can remember where I was just like, I'm not even seeing these movies I'm watching. Like, I'm just trying to see the entire filmography. And I don't remember because every name merges. Like, one of the only reasons I finally did a letterbox was just to remind myself. Like, I, I, I mean, I'll say it again. I did not realize I had watched Curse until I rewatched it. And I was like, I've watched this. What am I talking about? I've seen it like three times. I'm crazy. Uh, but because it's what you said, there's so many and 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 they can be uh, lower level, higher level. And the names start to merge after a certain point. You're like, which animal is this? And how <laughs> yes, does it apply? It's the, it's the case of the scorpion's bloodstained butterfly. Scorpions you know, did like, something with a gray velvet yeah. dog. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't do a letterbox. I am both I am both scrupulously honest and slightly embarrassed by the things I watch. I'd never be able to like leave things out and I'd be like, oh no, people are gonna think I'm really weird. Yeah, I only did it very recently just because I started to realize just like with records, well, I'll buy doubles, right. but I was like tired of starting a movie. Even honestly, partly as like even on canon. Oh, yeah. Where I was like, I was like, all right, we need a movie. We haven't done it. can be a loose canon. Let's watch Rambo 2. Oh, sure. And me and Frank were both just like, great. Yes. And I started it and I was just like, wait, I bought it. I rented it. And it, like five minutes in, I was just like. I think we did an entire episode on this already. And I had to look back and I was like, oh, we did this. We need to stop doing this podcast soon. My brain is broken. I don't know what we are doing anymore. Oh. And Frank didn't remember. I was like, yeah, yeah. we did it like half a year ago. It's that terrifying. Is, that is fantastic. Julie gets a phone call demanding blackmail money or that our affair with George will be exposed. And, and believing the blackmailer to be Jean, Carol goes in her place. I want to mention this great bit when she and Carol are talking in her house and it, it, it goes to the casual sexiness of Carol. Like she's got her underwear in the oven and she takes them out. And even Julie kind of looks at her and like, huh? And, and she's like, well, I hate cold undies. And I'm just like, that is... 
that is casual sexiness right there. That is just like, well, hey, cold undies. It's uh, yeah. But so as as her friend goes to deliver the ransom, Julie watches motocross at home, which is just amazing. Like indoor motocross, indoor I believe. Motocross indoor at home. tight tight loops yeah. motocross. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like the equivalent of speed indoor speed skating, where it's like, how do they not yeah. all kill each other? Yeah. Like it's see, this is actually her strange vice. Yeah, that <laughs> is the strange vice. It's a much yeah. stranger vice. There's no question. But Carol goes to this large, mostly empty park to deliver the ransom, and there. She is stalked and killed by a man wielding a razor. And Martino in this scene, my God, does such an amazing job of using open space as scary. Yeah, like there's just nobody around, and but it's like you can run, but there's nowhere to go because you're still all out in the open. And it is a great way of doing tension. I think that's the beauty of, like I said, like going that piazza. Like it is yeah. a reminder of like it's not coming from a completely. Uh, unheard of source like i think like we we you know american we get so tight yeah here and like and that's the interesting part is like that they can do that in cities and it makes sense and feels terrifying versus like we have to always have it be texas right. texas chainsaw or australia right. the the you know the craziness of australia like it's like you know that's the beauty of exploitation films it's, yeah it's just the beauty of the 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 desert there but yeah, it's just like this this crazy use of big space where you feel alone. Like that's like the the that you're surrounded by so much life and to be so alone to me is the uh and, and quiet yeah. too. Like it can just be so fucking quiet in Rome and like Italy at various places. Yeah, everybody's off getting you know, gelato. So no, they're not around. Yeah. You know, like there's too many flavors. Fucking chills. You know, it's Yes, there really are. I got Stracchiadia. I need this. I got this. I can't be bothered. But then you. it's like the opposite of that. You know that scene outside where where Carol gets killed. It's so open. But then you have the inverse of that with the parking garage scene with Julie. Yes, which is holy shit. That's got to be every woman's nightmare. Yeah, talk about realistic horror. Like walking yeah. in a parking garage and the lights go out and you can't tell where the lights are coming and how many cars are there. It's like, holy shit, that's got to be scary. That scene walked so that Cosmatos could run in yeah. Cobra. <laughs> ah. So that they could use the garage scene in Cobra and like and be like, this is my nod to Italian cinema. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. You said Cosmatos, and the first thing I thought of was The Sun. I've become so accustomed Panos, to his, yeah. some of his, his films are so good. And I'm like, oh, yeah, his dad. I know. But did Cobra. <laughs> I, forgot he was a, I forgot he was a producer on Rewind This, which oh, I haven't really? watched oh, wow. in years, a documentary about VHS culture. Oh, fascinating. Uh, that now watching it feels crazily out of date. Just like <laughs> they get into theory about stuff, and you're just like, yeah, we've yeah. changed, man. Life has changed. <laughs> But that uh, that parking garage scene I want to come back to on the other oh on the other side of the spoiler line there, yeah there are some there are some things about it that that uh, some blaring questions that I, they're not trying to hide I mean right. clearly but um, you will if you're watching this movie at that point you are all you're going to see some some very big clues as far as how what's happening in the action. Yes, um, we will. We'll come back to we'll, that on we'll the other back. side of our, uh, of our spoiler line. As we go on, like, 
you know, uh, Julie tells her husband all about this. Neil gets angry for the first time. He like, he grabs a gun. He's going to go to John's house and they go to John's house and they find him dead in the bathtub, seemingly a suicide. But then there's another bouquet of flowers in the car with another card. And at this point, Julie's on the verge of a breakdown and she's having these dreams that are like, you know, John dripping with water and Carol and she's dead. And it's, you know, that's Sergio at his best also yeah. to me is like the, is when he gets surreal, it becomes uh, like all the colors of yeah. the dark gets the most like uh, in that realm and where it, it borders on like coffin Joe, like series, <laughs> oh, yeah. like style surrealism. Like it just like went in those later like the in like the main trilogy of Coffin Rob Joe. Rob is a big Coffin Joe fan. Big Coffin Joe fan. I got my Coffin Joe box set back there uh, somewhere. Uh, like uh, the remember when it came in the coffin? In the coffin? Oh, yes. I, yes. Yeah, I still have. My wife got me I that as a as a birthday gift like fifteen years ago. Yeah. Arrow is putting out a Blu-ray set of Coffin Joe coming up soon. Oh, I think. fantastic! I I mean I love especially that main trilogy, but that's also. That uh, uh, it feels to me like it, it it goes to that kind of territory where you're borderline Jodorowsky right. like style surrealness, but it's like uh, Mar- when Martino works the best, it's like he touches on that, but it is also very uh, uh, the, the name that comes up too much shall be not be named Polanski, but oh, yeah. uh, like it's it sounds like it's like yeah. the tenant, like it's like it reminds sure. me of like the tenant surrealism where it's like oh you really fucking nailed. <laughs> This sense of fucking doom and dread. Well, it's, yeah. it's the only thing that that Polanski can nail is doom and dread. You try to you try to do comedy and and uh, and and sort of positivity about the human condition. Those movies are freaking terrible. It's truly what we real. It's the only plus still of that pirates episode we did. It's <laughs> like to realize in real time that he is a sociopath. Yeah. And that's why his horror and thrillers work so well, because he doesn't understand how humans work right and that allows him to have some touches of uh, like uh, almost hitting it but then it gives you this odd disconnect that does touch on reality and then yeah when he needs to be human which to me is what comedy right. is also yeah. you're like oh you're a fucking human yeah. monster yeah like, Jesus, it's fearless primate. vampire killers no that's, that's not a funny moment. oh my god yes you can get to the Holocaust because you dealt with it. And it's just like, yes, sure. now we're in atrocities of the world and you have a handle on right. it. Uh, and how to, yes, but yeah, to be yeah. a human, <laughs> no, Polanski don't work. But when you want to be surrealist in a, uh, a Martino sort of way, looks beautiful. Absolutely. So Julie, you know, she's she's having a hard time of it. And she leaves her husband. She goes off with George to Spain, uh, where we trade this sort of dark urban setting for this beautiful sun-drenched seaside. And I, I think... I think this is speaking of the spoiler line. I think it's best if we put everything that happens in Spain on the other side of our spoiler line, as we did last week, we'll put in, in the resolution of the mystery in a separate chapter. So if you've never seen the strange vices of Mrs. Ward and you're intrigued enough, you want to watch it, but not know the ending. Here's your exit ramp. Skip ahead to the next chapter. And and we'll talk about uh, the case of the Scorpion's Tale. And if you are too scared to listen further, we are going to put you in the coward's corner of the podcast, okay? You'll get a refund, but after you've gone to the corner. I will say, too, it's the perfect point to have that spoiler uh, uh, spoiler line because it. I've noticed, like, even in the Giallis that I love, 
Like, and then I love this movie. Like, it, this is around hour 10. <laughs> and I think the movie's almost yes. over. And I've gotten a little bored at certain point. Like, yeah. I, that's, I, to me, that's actually is the biggest spoiler of Giallo's is I love this genre more than anything. And almost all of them, I get bored in the middle. Yeah. And zone out. Like the third quarter of... When they have to shift over to finally going batshit crazy. Like, I start to get too lost in the logic. I don't care anymore. There's too many diversions. And in the worst ones, they can divert way too long. And that's the rest of the movie. (laughs) But it's almost like weirdly like... It's like... explaining to watch uh stalker right like it's just it's like it's a different type of movie watching well (laughs) like you know it's because and i think i've just grew grew up with too many american movies when you don't give me the handle character who i'm following Mm -hmm. who has the singular want throughout it's and I've, I've said versions of this before. It's like I'm watching Nashville with a body count, (laughs) you know, it's just, it's, in Nashville, it's one thing when you're doing a character study movie, I kind of can roll with it more, but this feels like a movie that should have an A story. Right. And thus when it's about 50 minutes in and it kind of doesn't, um, and it works without it, but it's just that like little itch in my stupid American brain. Yeah. I mean, the American brain would need, it might help. I mean, this is also Americans don't love him. But if you had like Robert Altman's audio mixer and he <laughs> yeah. could just like on the fly be like, you're supposed to pay attention to Mrs. Ward for this long. And nope, now you got to be over with Carol. She's the main character for some reason now. Like, and yeah, Miss Ward's going to be bullshitting in the back about how she's scared or whatever. She's talking about Bratwurst. <laughs> Pay attention to that. That's what's important. Yeah. So, so Julian George, as, as almost as soon as they get to Spain, the killer in Vienna strikes again. And another young woman, a flight attendant or a stewardess in the parlance of the era. But this, this chick gets the upper hand and she stabs him. And it turns out that the killer who's been killed, the woman at the beginning killed the woman in the shower was just some rando sex pervert with no connection to Julie at all. It's just like, it's a completely random thing. Welcome to life, man. That's true. Welcome to life. That's true. <laughs> there are still, and even if there's a strange vice, there's still a sex pervert out there's there. There's always, yeah life is random and life is fucking meaningless like there is your italian fucking existentialism yeah, absolutely talk about a coincidence is okay if it's bad for your uh for your main character <laughs> yes julie that said julie gets another bouquet of flowers in the car from the now dead jean so she's going like full tilt boogie towards a nervous breakdown and then someone shoots a spear gun at her like holy shit and finally she gets at their flat she faints into george's arms and george calls a doctor to his credit and who says oh well she's in a state of shock and over emotional wait way to play into the stereotype of women aren't believed yeah. Someone shot a spear gun at her, for God's sake. It's not just she's over-emotional. Holy shit. She's hysterical, please. <laughs> That's just women times. Oh. <laughs> Must be her time of the month when a spear gun comes <laughs> That's at what her. That's happens at that time. Month is your more vulnerable yeah. spear gun attack. Yeah. My wife tells it's me that. what uh, happens. They can just tell. It's it's the psychological yeah. version of the car breaking down in old horror movies, right? Yes. It's something that <laughs> yes. you're like, it yes. did happen all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Nevertheless, George decides to go off to get a specialist. He's got to go to the next town. And while he's doing that, Jean pops up alive again and attacks Julie. Uh, he seems like he fakes his own suicide, presumably. 
And he does gets ready to do the same for Julie as he seals up the kitchen and makes it look like she turned on the gas to take her own life. He uses an ice cube on the door lock so it will look locked from the inside. And when George and the doctor get there, Julie's dead. Julie's dead. Holy shit. Neil arrives from Vienna to take charge of the body and squarely lays the blame at George. Okay, folks, here's where it gets really wild. We see Jean waiting out in the desert. And holy shit, he's meeting George. And it's like a sexy Euro 70s version of the scenes in Casino when they meet out in the middle of the desert. But there's just open collared shirts and aviator sunglasses. And the style is just so much. It's just so much. And John and George were in it together all along. John is planning to flee to Rio under a false identity. Uh, He just needs to get the money that George owes him. But what does he get? Instead, he gets a bullet to the chest. And this time, John's dead for real. It's a nice, beautiful kind of spaghetti Western nod. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like through the 70s lens. Shot probably in Spain where a lot of the spaghetti Westerns were 100%. shot. I mean, it's it, it has that vibe. Yeah. And then there's even more. Neil was in it, too. He and George conspired to kill both Julie and Carol. And it was all about the inheritance. Real strangers on a train situation here. Yeah, yeah crisscross. Crisscross, real throw mama on the from the bus, from the trade, whatever that Neil, movie is. Neil yes. pulled a Tony Clifton and dressed up like the sex maniac to kill Carol, and George then eliminated Julie. And they have the line, the best time to get rid of anyone is when there's a homicidal maniac on the loose. And I'm like, that's an amazing plot. That is incredible. What is also amazing is the fact that every man in Julie's life is a complete and total shit heel. Yeah. The strange vice of Mrs. Ward is that she's attracted to the biggest shit heels in the world. That's actually what her strange vice is. Absolutely. You know, let's be honest. Men are terrible. Yeah. These three guys do, talking on this podcast, most men are terrible. And yeah. honestly, the, the odds are at least one of us here is. It's probably Mick. And I uh, I do like, and I I won't talk about this the second movie, but when it gets down to it with this one, the reason for murder in men's hearts is not passion. No. It's money. Money. Money, Money, power, (laughs) money, 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 root of all evil. It's the inheritance. Absolutely. Humanity is terrible. Giallos understand that. I mean, that's why it all works And also, the sexy times are not the problem. Exactly. Sexy time is is all perfectly natural. Yes. America could learn a lot from watching Giallos. Honestly, it would probably solve a lot (laughs) of our problems with sex. And with the, our obsession with money and capitalism, yes. all all of that, and it's amazing. Like you have this, this, this. It's humanity is terrible and awful, also kind of goofy because you have this scene where where John and Neil are like they're celebrating their victory and they're driving and they start like. <laughs> Like, weaving the car. Driving poorly. That's the best way to celebrate is to drive unsafely. Unsafely. That's unsafe. You're unsafe, <laughs> Maverick. That's like a cliff road, yeah. is it not? Where they're exactly. veering into the other lane. Yeah. This is, this like is, I was, and, yeah. and it's curving around the bend. Like, you can't see the, what's no. coming. No. It's not that. Uh, it's unbelievable. But then, then... Neil sees Julie standing by the side of the road and George backs up and holy shit, she's there. And the cops show up and Neil and George drive off the road into a river and they're dead. And we learn several things at the end. First, we learn that the surprisingly competent Vienna police noticed the difference in technique between Carol's murder 
and the others. And second, the handsome young doctor that attended to Julie after her supposed suicide had faked her death in order to draw the men out. And I love, I absolutely love that rather than just busting George and Neil, they 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 set up this dramatic sting on a lonely country road where she's going to be aired. It's like, oh, is it a vision of, of a ghost or something? She looks, it, it's a little bit like the beyond, yeah. like seeing the woman in the street yes. merged with, and it is a classic Giallo ending. It I is. mean, that's like that all of this leads to that, Nobody gets arrested. <laughs> and the legal comeuppance is that they, they died, died drowning in a river. Yeah, they drove off the road, drowned in a river. And that the strange vice is going to make it like my guess is that Doc is a monster, too. Well, I was going to say she goes off with the he's Doc. He's ready they... to fuck right away. Yeah, yeah, that's I don't trust. I don't trust that. No doc way. As far as I can throw him into a river. Julie, I'll tell you God that. bless her, has got a pattern of of yeah. of that of men she chooses and. Oh, holy shit. The strange advice to Mrs. Ward is that she should try some therapy, I think, actually. She should start working on that uh, vice therapy there. Therapy and harmony maybe? I don't know. Like, it's yeah. perhaps a move to yeah, Sweden. she needs a Christian mingle. I don't know. <laughs> she can, yeah. On com. <laughs> Uh, not actually, she shouldn't move. She's just going to wind up in like a Joe Nesbo novel or something. It'll be bad. <laughs> uh, it's not going to work out. Uh, I love this movie. Like this is this is to yeah. me is just it's 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 got such style. It's got it's it's bonkers and and I love it for it. It hits all the notes of a giallo. It's got the in it's and it's very uh, in between. It's like what Martino can can do and what he does sometimes. Like it's like it's not as wild as all the colors. Uh, right. is and it's and even maybe even parts of your vice um and torso <laughs> but uh it it's it it doesn't go as mm, spoiler sometimes boring as as scorpion's tail well <laughs> yes <laughs> a lot of that mo- this movie is very straightforward which is why that parking garage sequence was so out yeah of, because a million car lights are going and then someone chases her, but then they're also on the inside. It really becomes Jason Voorhees esque as far as yes. How? Oh ha- yeah. And then she runs to the elevator and the guy's in the elevator. Yes. Really. You're left with either. This movie is completely broken. Everything it itself has done, or there is more than one killer. Right. Um, and Frank, I, I will say from the get go, and maybe this is part of the, everyone being presented as, is, you know, having evil motives or whatever. Right. I, this thing really does have murder on the Orient Express vibes, like from the get go, where you're just like, everyone's out to get her, right? Yeah. I, I, I didn't know who or how, because goodness sakes, that's not in there either. <laughs> um, like, it's not no, like those these... breadcrumbs are there to pick up. Uh, I think that's why Giallo's are also what I like as well, is because like, I feel usually pretty dumb with a mystery. Like, I just don't do the math. Yeah. Other people like love to way. like do it from the get and I'm just like, I don't care. I want to go no. on the ride. Exactly. It's like the same thing of like my son keeps telling me what happens in the new Zelda game as I'm playing it. And I was just like, <laughs> I like to see how the story develops. But when Giallo's, even if I didn't piece it together towards the end. I'm just like, yeah, uh, no one did. We all were <laughs> lost the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's. I, I am exactly the same way. It's like when we went, like when that the the new the Kenneth Branagh murder on the the Orient Express came out. Yeah, I had never read the book. I I I, I was genuinely like, oh. Holy shit, that's a great ending. I had 
no idea. And then it was only like afterwards that I remembered like watching like a Doctor Who episode spoiled the whole damn thing. And I just didn't remember because I want to take the ride. I think I'm always blown away by my own brain because like, as you've probably heard on the canon, I'm very I'm pretty good at pulling like reference upon reference upon reference upon reference and remembering this and piecing together what this is and the subtext. But when I'm watching a movie, I'm in it. I am Homer of like, who's that guy? What yeah. that guy say when I said, who's that guy? Like I'd forget everyone's fucking name immediately. I'm just the biggest dullard that's ever existed. And it drives it's, me up a wall. It's like, I'm the best audience for a magician. Yeah. Like I'm Ooh. fascinated. I won't try to figure it out, but I'll be there and be like, how did you do that? Yeah. It's like, I am the ideal magician's audience member. It, absolutely. You're made for Italians. <laughs> Sergio Martino immediately followed the strange vice of Mrs. Ward with another giallo, again, dealing with characters that seem to have some very troubled marriages. Also from 1971, The Case of the Scorpion's Tale. 1920, The Golem. Directed by Paul Wegner and Henrik Galeen. 1926, The Battleship Potemkin by Sergei Eisenstein. 1930, M by Fritz Lang. 1931, Large Door by Luis Bunuel. Four great pictures, four masterpieces on violence. Today, Sergio Martino reaffirms this classic violence with... The Case of the Scorpion's Tale. The Case of the Scorpion's Tale was created by much the same team as The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward. Sergio Martino directs, Luciano Martino produces, and the script was written by Eduardo Manzanos Bruchero and Ernesto Gastaldi, this time with Sorrow Scavellini. And both George Hilton and Alberto Di Mendoza return from the previous film, this time starring alongside Anita Strindberg and Ida Gallick. And despite having so many people in common, the case of the Scorpion's Tale is quite different from its predecessor. Like, to begin with, I think it's a little less sleazy. Like, it's still it's still giallo and sleazy, but it's not quite the same degree. No, it isn't. And it's... it's uh... It a little bit is more European in a broad sense. Yeah. Like, I think like just like even just like the music and like the fabulousness isn't as fabulous. Like it feels like it could be a travelogue. Right. At a certain point. But yeah, it doesn't even though there's a sex fiend. Well, yeah, um, it's it's a little bit. Yeah, it's just it's not. I would have guessed always that case of the Scorpion's Tale was before Strange Vice. And that it's like, oh, we do the standard one, and then we lead into I'm able to do some more, like, fucked up shit, basically. (laughs) But yeah, no, I had that same, like, there's a scene, it starts in London, the first part of it takes place in London, and then it moves to Greece. Because I have to to think that he really enjoyed the sun-drenched setting of Spain, so he's like, oh, let's do something similar, let's have have most of it in a sort of Mediterranean setting. But there's a scene where they're in Greece in this restaurant, and I just said to myself... 
that restaurant is on the stop of whatever the Greek equivalent of a Perillo tour is. Like yeah. that is <laughs> like that is made for the tourists and you know, it's got the dancing, it's got the opa and you know Maybe it's a grown ups couples therapy situation. Maybe it's just like <laughs> when you make the film so that you can bring your friend like I wanted to go to Greece. Yeah. I was already doing this tour with my family. Like, we'll pick up them doing some shots, like, in front of that. Whatever, man. Who cares? Well, we get we do begin in London with one Lisa Balmer who appears to be having an affair right from the off. Like, there's no shards of glass or blood. It's just sort of garden variety infidelity. Staring at each other while you wear suits and dressed up clothes, listening to records yeah. silently. Uh, exactly. The best dates that I, the most well, sensual yeah. of all dates. <laughs> Zooming in and out super fast on eyes and mouths. Yeah. yeah. He's flashier with the director. Proto MTV cutting. That is until their illicit lovemaking blows up an airliner in flight. Like they, it's, it's not quite Oppenheimer where, you know, the, <laughs> the fucks the atomic bomb strong, into existing, yeah. but you know, it's, it's, it, they destroy an airliner with a model, which I, I said to myself, they should have brought Antonio Margariti in to do that model. Yes. There's nobody who does model work better than Margariti, baby. hundred yes. percent. Cause they needed some help with that. It is like, <laughs> it's a rough one. Like I said, it's the end of live like a cop, die like a man. Or you're just like, guys, right. come on. Like, we had to have seen this. There's low budget. And, I mean, they blew all their budget on going to Greece. They were like, oh, fuck, we need to, we need to get that plane. It's Uh-oh. like you said, I, and, and you did your episode on gore, which I'll come back to. There's a difference between low budget and cheap. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's always like, the, and those are the moments that will bum me out because it's just like, oh yeah, I don't want to watch a cheap yeah. movie. Like I like low budget. Like that to me is what Italian movies are about. And the beauty of them is that they will make a lot out of a little. Yeah. The needlessly complicated shots are uh, in lieu of like a huge budget. And like, but when you have those moments, I'm like, or I'll just trust you. There was a plane explosion or buy yeah. some stock footage. Like don't yeah. like don't don't grab a model out of your kid's hand and throw it up in frame right before. <laughs> Unless you're Antonio Margheriti, who can do it with such skill that yes. I like that was we we did the the Margheriti trio of Indiana Jones knockoffs for our Get Me Other Indiana Jones, and they were just oh yeah, my god, the stuff that he was able to pull off was amazing, and, and the complicated stuff. It serves so well throughout yes. this because, especially in the first half, like it, it, you lose it a little in the second half. Yeah. But in the first half, there's always someone watching her, and then someone watching the someone watching her, and then he's always doing these shots where he's putting stuff in the foreground in front of the information in the shot that you actually want to see as an, but this yes. is in, yeah. it like purposefully obscuring because we're in the beginning section where you, no one really can see what's going on. He's doing some Ozu level yeah. foreground background <laughs> yeah, yeah. like sort of shot to the point where I tricked myself into, there's a bit where, where one of the you know, main characters, like the, the, uh, the front desk of a hotel and he's, you know, this is after the, a, a character has been murdered and there's a woman, who comes up and drops off her keys because I know from James Bond movies that time you didn't take keys with you you dropped them off at the front desk and you couldn't see her face and I said oh that's got to be important the fact that you couldn't see her face 
No, wasn't important at all. So, no, sometimes it's important. Sometimes me. it's a red herring. Welcome to Jealous. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's it's, it, what, it's the red herring yeah. district. Yeah, yes, welcome to the red herring district. <laughs> the only thing you can see clearly every time it, it shows up is the J and B Scotch bottle. I don't know oh my God. where that money went all the time. But... <laughs> and oh, I could be making this up. I think I might have read that there was a big push from that Scotch company. Like, and it's almost like a liquid death style or like when sparks used to like sponsor everything <laughs> there you go or pbr is just like why is pbr just around everywhere um, i hope they got money yeah. because it's yeah. it's so clearly as you keep going start to all, keep all your eyes peeled for more jb bottles because you might see those uh in other ones there we go well lisa lisa so she's gonna get uh she, her husband has an insurance policy a life insurance policy she's gonna get a million dollars from her husband's life insurance policy, that's 400,000 pounds, uh, which I, I think that doesn't speak well for how the pound has done no. in the intervening 40 years. It's also probably like 1.2 billion lira. Like yeah. it's like it's it's so many lira you can't even count it. But she has to travel to the company's home office in Greece to pick up the check. I have questions. Here's my first question. Why? It's a check. Can't you just send it? That's the whole point of a check. You can send it through the mail, and if it, something happens to it, you can cancel it and reissue. Better yet, do a wire transfer. I'm just saying, a lot of trouble could have been avoided if they had mailed the check. I mean, I want to, I want to agree with you, but I also just set up a like seven hundred and fifty dollar account for my son at the bank, <laughs> at, and I was just like, could not believe the amount of steps that they had to go oh. through where they had to call their corporate and then do it. Like I was, and I had to go back like three times and I thought I just Did they send you in. to Greece to set and up the I account? And then I went to Greece. Like uh, beautiful Perillo <laughs> tour uh, to get me there. But sure. uh, yeah, Chris, if, if they don't make you go to the bank or the life insurance headquarters, how can they wine and dine you and then That's bed? True. <laughs> if it's you can't do that by a wire transfer and then be shocked that you're going to want to take out it all in cash and do whatever your crazy yeah, idea is that you want to take do. it all in, well i mean even at home lisa has some problems including a former lover named philip who she apparently left such a wreck that he turned to acid and horse and i have to admit i had to look up what horse meant in the in the parlance heroin right oh, it's heroin yeah it's i was yeah, like holy baby. I, I didn't know that i had to look that up and and you know if my parents are listening they'll be very happy that i had to look that up and it's not clear what happened with them but he ha apparently has a letter that's proof that she wanted to get rid of her husband and wants money in exchange and i'm thinking this is where i couldn't get out of my modern head cuz i'm like it was a plane crash like how do they think she might have killed him? Like, was she off in the Pacific? They say it crashed over the Pacific Ocean. Did she have a surface-to-air missile? Like, it's a, it's an amazing... Like, they keep accusing her of killing him, and I'm just like, how? Yeah, it. Uh, you kind of just have to keep rolling. Every time they bring it up, you're like, all right, guys. Jeez, right. like, I think you're shooting at the wrong target here. I don't know, man. <sighs> I guess. I, and nevertheless, she goes to bring Philip I'm also his not money. trusting a guy who's on horse uh, here <laughs> anyway, so I have any strong ideas. <laughs> she goes to bring Philip his money, but the only to find him murdered is in his smack hole. Of course. In this little, little, like, little hideaway where... He's in his horse hole. His horse hole. <laughs> 
just got this He's horse in the hole. And, yeah. and then from there, we're off to Greece for the rest of the movie. And and Lisa goes, she collects her million dollars in cash, which seems like a terrible idea. And newsflash, it is. Do we know why she wants the cash? Well, she's going to Tokyo or so. Like she's there's there are things I will admit, this movie confused me more than the strange vice of Mrs. Yeah. Ward. There was things I still I still don't quite Strange have. Vice is standard Giallo confusion. This one is a little bit more where I truly was like, I don't think that plot adds up, but I'm just gonna yeah, go with it. No, I I I had that yeah, thought. Because it makes the only way that it could possibly make sense is in the implication of she is guilty. Yeah. Right. But if there is a world in this movie where perhaps she is not guilty down the line, then it completely falls apart. Which is also a bad trait of like a mystery. If you have like all these right. things that are either uh, can only work if the person is guilty and then you realize they're not and you're like, well, that is a, or if it's something only we know. Yeah. But then someone it's like you get stuck in those like mystery holes almost. Which is worse than a horse hole, by the way. You don't want to get stuck in a mystery <laughs> hole. Yeah. Horse hole you can get out of. You with, get out you of know, horse with, They got with, methadone. With You're fine, man. You get a methadone <laughs> yeah. hole and, you know. It's, they call that pony. But nevertheless. <laughs> uh, she, she soon meets Peter Lynch, played by George Hilton. He's an insurance investigator who's so shitty at his job that his cover is blown almost immediately. Like in the in the the Perillo yeah. Greek Italian Greek restaurant, um, his cover is blown. Where also there's an Interpol agent named John Stanley, played by Alberto Di Mendoza, and he just kind of hangs around and is suspicious for a while. And uh, Lisa also meets Lara. Her husband's mistress. Now, apparently, Kurt had a thing for ladies with the letter L. What's interesting about the scene where we, where Lisa and Lara meet, is up until this point, the movie's been pretty grounded, and then Martino has this scene set in a on stage in a theater, and it feels like something out of Blood and Black Lace because they're all surrounded by like black curtains. Yeah. Lara is accompanied by her lawyer slash muscle, who's got a scar that would make a Bond villain envious. Yep. It's a little four flies. Yeah. Like uh, in there, like in the theater. Yes, absolutely. Like it's it gets a little surreal here and she also accuses lisa of murdering her husband and again i'm in my 21st century mindset like how and uh but she flees she gets out of there with peter's help and and she's back at the hotel preparing to fly to tokyo and meet someone named paulo who may have been her lover from the opening or may not i'm unclear on that um but before she can leave she's murdered by a figure with not only black gloves but black leather pants. Yes. And holy shit, is this the most beautiful layers of leather? (laughs) Oh, it's amazing. And this killing's probably the most violent I think we've seen so far. Like when she gets stabbed with the knife, like you see it go into her belly and kind of cut her. And like, this is like, we're upping the, 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 the violence factor, the visual depiction of violence much more than we've seen in some of the movies heretofore. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as much, murder set pieces in in martinos as much like there there are a couple right. that will stand out but it's 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 never the level of an argento or bava 
uh, even. You got this discordant jazz music yeah. throwing the, the like the kill, and it's it's effective. Uh, it's and of course the killing of the character we've been following for the first third of the movie feels directly out of the Psycho playbook. Mm-hmm. Except here, the money matters. Like in Psycho, right. the money's just like it's just Red here. Hair. It's like well, what if Psycho? Well, well, you know, the money's just kind of there. It's it's just a coincidence. But here, it's like well, what if they were really after? What if Norman Bates was really after the money? Like that's right. and so naturally the million dollars in cash is missing and the cops arrive and immediately question peter because you know but he's he's released thanks to the interpol agent and separately peter and agent stanley go to the question the mistress uh only peter is attacked by a guy with a hatchet there's a there's a good on hatchet attack here oh yeah um and and peter accuses laura of killing lisa again there's too many l's it makes me a little crazy but uh, he starts smacking her around, which leads to Agent Stanley giving probably the most laugh-out-loud line I've seen in any giallo. Hold it. This sort of questioning isn't used anymore, even by the police, Peter. Yeah, right, Agent Interpol. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't uh, buy that. We, we know what's going on. Hey, cabman. All right. <laughs> Peter soon makes the acquaintance of photojournalist Cleo Dupont, played by the absolutely stunning Anita Strindberg. First point, Cleo DuPont is an amazing name. I love that name. It's And when Peter meets her, she's wearing this like crushed velvet jacket, which I'm just like, holy shit. And, and, and Peter and Cleo basically team up to figure out who killed Lisa. And honestly, she's the better investigator. Yeah. Like I would watch a whole series of moderately sleazy Euro thrillers featuring Anita Strindberg as intrepid photojournalist Cleo DuPont, like halfway between like Fletch and Emmanuel. 100%. That could have definitely been the next Emmanuel Fletch series. Oh uh, my God. Like, yeah, if Severin I could in- would be doing a 40 movie box set. Like, <laughs> sort of thing. If I could invent a time machine, there's several things I would do, but one of them is make a whole series of Cleo DuPont movies in the 70s. Like it's, that's that's the goal that's the dream just smiling looking beautiful and figuring (laughs) shit out yep now do you think that you could convince a the modern companies who are so risk averse that i've got this great ip sitting there for the taking (laughs) oh i want to try it's no sadly a24 would do it oh god yeah. yeah it'd be prestige definitely yeah. No, no, I'm thinking like 15 of these things dumped on Netflix in a week. <laughs> and it, just, that would be the more the yellow wrap because I'd be like, I think I watched yeah. it. I don't completely remember yes. watching it. They all blur together. And, yeah. you know, it's. Um, we also have this recurring set of scenes uh, with a young woman in an apartment with an airline uniform. And, and honestly, at first I was like, oh, she's a pilot. And then I thought, no, 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 it's the 70s. She is a flight attendant. And then I thought, no, 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 it's the 70s. She's a stewardess. And uh, it, it it was, but like it's confusing. Yeah, what's like this movie is more confusing than the the first one. I I don't think it has like a we're keeping you confused for a purpose mystery vibe. And if I think they might think that sometimes, but I think it is just more. It's just confusing. There's some needless like. Even just those little bits of that, the women are all named L, all of red hair, like and just like <laughs> it just. And I know it's like. One end, you're like, oh, that's a theme they're coming up with. But no, I, 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 I was left the whole time not really knowing where we were going, what's going on, just kind of going with it. Um, no, you're just kind of grabbing on, yeah. you know, for the ride and hoping and, you pick and, up some info here or there. But 
Right. Like, and I, I won't lie. I went back and watched some scenes of this a second time because I was just like, wait, does that all track? Like, I, I, I really wasn't sure. And no. And I no, think the answer, the answer is, is no. no. That's I very mean, true. <laughs> and it, but the thing is, as we've talked about with some of the other, it, it is besides the point yeah. for the crime story to track. Right. It's not even really trying to. It's not like, oh, it's trying and failing at doing that. These, these movies in generally have no interest in doing that. That is so beside the point. Yeah. You're living in the world and having the- And I think that's the problem is the world isn't as exciting as other Martino. Yeah. So it's like- yeah. Oh, in this one. Yeah, yes, so this no. one. So then it ends up that you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm getting too distracted by the fact that I'm distracted. Yeah. Versus other ones, you're just like because you're you're searching for the interesting stuff. Yeah, because yes. like, and at least in it, you know, in other, you're just be like, well, uh, the beautiful uh, death setup. Oh, beautiful women. Oh, beautiful apartment. Oh, crazy shots. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, Argento. Oh, Carol's a bad Carol's friend, a bad but friend. still compelling. You know, I'd love to be at this party. When it's an Argento, it truly is like he has an insane logic for how the world works. Yes. And Martino doesn't have that as much. He seems like more of a normal Italian, like yes. constantly smoking like director, basically. Right. A, a normal 1970s yeah. Italian male which, let's just be honest, is not a 21st century American. Oh, God, no. You know, like, it's yeah. just a different vibe. I like my monsters in the 70s, not now. <laughs> <laughs> Respect the women. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> so, Laura and her scarred lawyer slash muscle are, in fact, responsible for the murder of Philip in his horse. <laughs> and Laura's coming home, and the killer strikes again. And there's this this scene, you know, we talk about set pieces though. This one, the murder of Laura is really good because there's this unsettling moment where the killer is watching literally watching Laura through the keyhole. And Laura races to the door in slow motion as the killer is like sliding the lock open from the outside. And it's really it's like the killer gets inside and kills Laura up against this large window, and the the, the blood from her throat splashing over the glass. It's like it's so it's so evocative. It's so good. Yeah, it's one of the it's one of the better. It, it's the best probably moment in the movie. It's the most giallo. Yeah. It's the most Italian. It's the most where it's like combination of like true dread, needlessly complicated shot, needlessly complicated shot that adds up to something. And then, uh, you know, the 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 thing that makes us all sound like monsters to normos, but like <laughs> a beautiful murder, like the, yes. but in the yes. in the grand Guignol tradition sort but of But it thing. is. Uh, we see that the killer is wearing a black wetsuit and immediately I said, oh my God, it's the night monkey. <laughs> I was just like, and, and then you have this, this lawyer slash muscle arrives and he chases the night monkey monkey up on the roof you have a shot looking down a spiral staircase where they're running up it and i'm like oh well now i know where Japoma got it all like yeah. i just there there it is yeah like and then you know the lawyer slash muscle gets his hands cut and he sends plummeting off to the to the ground yeah one-eyed doll collection is merged in there. There's the yeah, bug out there's a eye doll. painting. There's creepy dolls. They just like are like, let's yeah. touch upon all the giallo stuff in here. The rest of it's a boring <laughs> mystery, but we'll get a giallo here. Yes, uh, there's no question. This is the giallo core. At yeah. the you know, how many licks does it take to get to the giallo center of of the case of the scorpion's tail? Uh, the answer is it's about. 42 minutes. Exactly. 42 minutes. So we'll follow it up with goulash. Don't worry about it. We'll follow it up with goulash. <laughs> Back at the police, Agent Stanley is still trying to push the, the killers a sex maniac, which I just feel like is A, 
clearly everyone points out that that's a stupid theory and it just doesn't really, it doesn't really fit. But like Stanley justifies it by saying, and he's got, it's a great line. Every sex maniac needs to pay his laundry bill. And I guess, you know, that is true. That's the sad part about the world. The sad part about the world. Even a sex maniac needs to pay his laundry. (laughs) His laundry bills. (laughs) Do you realize how much the companies have devalued sex maniacing? It is no longer what it once was, Chris. It's true. It's true. It's true. Let's talk about goulash, guys. I mean, come on. Cleo, Cleo is so confident she makes Peter goulash, which is apparently terrible as she left the paprika container in the pot. There's not too much paprika in there. But holy is shit, it's, it's Anita Strindberg. So you know what? If I'm Peter, I'm eating every bit of that yeah. goulash and... You know, he's like, he's got that, as a cook, you're much better in the bedroom. And I got to say, all right, here it is. Here's my, in my Cleo DuPont series, she would make a different dish, a different ethnic dish in every film, and one way or another would screw up, but nobody, it wouldn't matter because she's so blindingly hot. I mean, it works. It's a a pattern. It it hits. It's a thing. Uh, Turns out they're being watched by a peeper. Uh, but it turns out the peeper just wants Peter to move his car. Yeah. And frankly, when we see what Peter's car, how Peter's car is parked, I actually thought, oh my God, only a sociopath would park a car like that. He's clearly blocking a driveway. Peter has no right to be as angry as he is. No. Honestly, when you see how he parked no. those tight streets, that is insane how he parks. It's no, no, only a sociopath would park a car like that. Yeah. That's just, that's all there is to that. Uh, and not long after, Cleo is in her dark room because she's. She's a photojournalist who does her own developing. And God, I just love the 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 tactileness of, oh, yeah. of the developing of film. It's so great. And you know, like the killer strikes again. He turns out the red darkroom lights, the whole apartment's bathed in this green glow. And Peter breaks in the apartment just in time to save her. The killer this time left behind a clue. It's a cufflink with an image of a scorpion. And that's where we get the title. Honestly. It's not even really the central clue. Like it no. feel, like they wanted like they clearly wanted an animal title at this yes. point. Oh well, bird with the crystal plumage. Get me another bird with the crystal plumage. Bird of the crystal plumage, cat of nine tails, curse of the scorpion tail, belly of the black oh, tarantula. The like just animal, animal, blood animal, stained animal. Butterfly, blood lizard butterfly. in a woman's skin. It, it just No torture a duckling kind of takes a piss out of the whole thing. Yeah. Like the but whole it is convention. just like it I I am not even still completely clear how the cufflink was a clue. <laughs> no, I think it well, it's a fake cufflink, right. I think. It's well, we'll it's, get but to it's that Middle other... Eastern or something. Creepy Tom Noonan like <laughs> explains it. That guy, yes. and so I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Oh, so we get. Oh, I have to mention. Peter calls the cops and reports the attack, and he gives all the details. But then at the end, like it's clearly someone on the other end of the line asked him his name. So you just hear him talk to Peter Lynch. Peter Lynch. <laughs> Yeah, whoever did the dub over for George is like this very exasperated voice most <laughs> of the time, like in his Europeanness. Yeah. Like even when you're yeah. more of a, you're better cook than you are, and like it's just like kind of like Judy, Judy, Judy sort of cadence almost. Yes, um, yes. And the uh, it, it leads to an, another great, needlessly. It's not even needlessly complicated. It's needlessly weird when. Uh, when he gets grilled by the police and yes. we're, oh, yeah. uh, we're shooting it in like phone frame, but tipped over on the side. <laughs> so it fits the, yeah. It fits it's the, like yeah, you take your it, iPhone, put it sideways and put on a pendulum 
that you could match up with to match when people talk. And yeah, th- that was one where like, I feel like you and I waxed poetic early on about what, how it can really convey the concept of what they're trying to get at. And that one, no. I was left with a like, you just needed something cool because it's been a while. Like yes, you, that, you, that one was needlessly in there. Well, yeah, yeah and and they, and they wanted to get the puzzle because the the police guy is doing the puzzle for the whole movie. Yeah, and it's taken him like weeks. Like I don't know what span of time this movie takes place over exactly, but it's not a big puzzle, man. You should have finished that already. Nah, that's one of my kids' puzzles. That one's that's a twenty piece. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> he should have banged that puppy out. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lisa's lover has turned up in Greece, and he's watching a news report on the killings, oh. and continues to watch oh as God. as the channel switches over oh. to. The coverage of the Hollywood Thanksgiving Parade Love it. here in, in beautiful Los Angeles, California. And he is too focused on the fresh beauty of America's youth to notice that a killer's entered the room. So does it, do, I, as you know, Chris, I can't read. I have to ask you if you've looked up. So is this weird ass American Thanksgiving parade it's in gotta this be. movie because this is be. what they think of us with like the optimism of Americans or are they or are they pandering to try and get uh, into the US market and they're like eh, while someone's getting murdered we'll have the TV say nice things about America I'm like, why can't it be both Rob yeah, it why can't be. it be both it's my <laughs> guess is that it's almost like a variation of, I don't know if you've ever seen, but there's like a holiday parade that's in Burbank. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is this like this on, but that one that's hosted by like Eric Estrada. Yeah. And like Dean Kane will show up in it. Like, and Lisa it, Gibbons. Yeah. And, Lisa, and it's only one block. So you can sometimes see the car stopping. <laughs> and, it, and it's the most low rent. And I'm obsessed with it. But yeah. Because let's be honest. And I say this as someone who grew up in the Northeast. If you're watching a Thanksgiving parade in America from Europe, you're watching the Macy's watching Thanksgiving Macy, Day Parade baby. in New York City. Come, Come on. on. Like, it's that's that's the thing. That's Thanksgiving. Maybe it's their equivalent of when Sergio Leone was like, everyone in America says, duck, duck you sucker. sucker. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, oops, nobody tell him he's Leone. I mean, maybe this was part of the CIA, like, PSYOP stuff, that they oh, were yeah. sending this propaganda to Europe. <laughs> they were, that was it, trying to prop up the junta? Yeah. They did this, and then they did the Scorpion song not too long <laughs> yeah. after. Um, the, the, the killer is in the room. He doesn't even notice, but then a struggle ensues, and the guy, the guy, like, this, this guy takes a broken bottle to the eye, and it was like, holy shit, like, that's brutal. That looks way worse than what happened to Mo Green. If you told me the first eyeball gore I was going to see in a giallo would not come from Fulci, I would have <laughs> not believed you. It's shocking, yeah. <laughs> you know, Peter learns that he, he finds a photo of Kurt Balmer, and after this sort of, I love the photo enlargement sequence with Cleo, oh, it's like, great. it's so... It's just so good. And then he learns that he's wearing the same cufflink that was found in Cleo's apartment. And it's like, oh, could Kurt have faked his own death? And the theory that they seem to be going with is that Kurt had a stand-in go on the flight with him, but who didn't know he was carrying a bomb. And then Bomber has been going around killing people. And honestly, the Greek detective still hasn't finished his fucking puzzle at this point. And it's just... (laughs) And I, I will admit, this was where the film, I got, I was a little confused. The police sent Peter and Cleo off on a romantic cruise uh, as a distraction. 
Well, they're going to be tracking the now believed to be alive Kurt Ballmer. Yeah. And we cut to Peter and Cleo on a boat and Anita Strindberg is in a bikini. And I'm just like, how it it's shocking that Anita Strindberg was never a Bond girl. Yeah. Like positively is. shocking. Yeah. It's uh, it, it is a little mind blowing. Um. Ugh. And it's and it, well, it the doesn't... week that they wanted her, they she had to shoot three Giallo movies that week. Yeah. It was all... <laughs> right. Otherwise, yeah. she would have been the lead in the man with the golden gun. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> She's busy working actor. I think we should draw a spoiler line here because if if you don't want to know the final resolution of the case of the Scorpion's tail, Lord knows if we can figure it out. I was out. gonna say you explain it to me because I'm not sure, and I've watched this movie three or four times. <laughs> yeah, this movie is, by the way, unspoilable because yeah. it is. <laughs> It's not, uh, yes. But anyway, there's no curse. That's your main spoiler. There's no actual yeah, curse. Yeah, there's, just, <laughs> there's no strange well, so, vice and there's no curse. There's no know. strange vice. There's no curse. Uh, while the boat is docked at a cove, Cleo becomes suspicious because she's a good investigator when Peter swims out from the boat with a full bag and comes back with an empty one. And so she goes to check things out. She swims in this underground passage and she finds the million dollars of insurance money wrapped in plastic. Frankly, if he had just kept it on the fucking boat, no one would have been the wiser, no. but he had to go hide it in the grotto. And and then he tells her that for years he investigated insurance fraud and recovered money for nothing more than a pat on the back. Although it was his job, presumably he got paid for what, you know, that for for his job. It's it's the Don Draper from Mad Men. Like the thank you was the you money. Got paid. The mo- that's I, what yeah, the, the money's money. for. Like, that's what the money's for. Like, Jesus Christ, guy. When he learned of Bauman's policy, he started planning, and he recruited Paolo to become Lisa Bauman's lover. And it was he who planted the bomb on the plane, because he's an airline employee, which, in fact, did kill Kurt Bauman. And the cufflink was a way to put the police on the trail of a dead man. And there's so many moving pieces to this plan. Like, what if what if Lisa didn't wasn't inclined to to be with this guy what if she didn't like the cut of his jib after all these years he's burned by rich people he only gets a pat on the ass does his job he gets that's what the money's for but he then after all this time that's the one he stumbles on is to blow up a plane like like there's gotta be an easier murder to then even do the cufflinks thing. Holy shit. Of all the murderers in all of the Giallo movies we're going to watch over the next fucking 10, we're going to 10 episodes of Giallo movies. This guy took out a whole airliner. Yeah. Like he's a real terrorist. But if he didn't do that, if he didn't do that, you wouldn't get all of those fabulous lines of dialogue about <laughs> empires are built on tragedy and terror. It's true. Whatever. It's true. It's all true. Yeah. It he is. He turns into the most villainous villain yeah that's i'm just i i'm truly also just realizing for the first time that there were other passengers on that plane yes like they're like oh yeah it's like you know usually a plane doesn't explode and we just like let it slide like there's like something that goes wrong other people like you know but Again, no, no, this is your best plan. Blow up the plane. Couldn't cut the brake lines. There's so many moving pieces that if anything had gone wrong, like, it's just... It's yeah, <laughs> yeah, so that he could pull some, like, borderline libertarian, like, like Todd Solon's Joker, <laughs> like, sort of... <laughs> Uh, yeah. style like this is what needed to happen for Rome to fall <laughs> like and you're like okay or yeah cut the brakes on a car and this Mrs. Ward can make a car go flying into a river talk to her help her you out Jeez. 
I mean, uh, for, honestly, for a million dollars, it doesn't seem like that. I know a million dollars goes a longer way in 1971 than yeah. it does now, but it doesn't seem like a lot. And he's got it. He's got to, well, I guess he killed the guy, so he didn't have to give him a piece of it. But at least he must have promised a piece of it to the guy who actually planted the bomb I mean, on at the that plane. point, he got 120 people dead on a plane or something. Like, whatever. <laughs> God. Um, so... <laughs> Cleo is naturally horrified by all of this, and she shoots Peter with a spear gun and makes a break for it. Uh, but he still follows her, and you know they have a kind of slightly too prolonged chase scene over the the rocks and shoals. And then, uh, but then the cops show up, and Agent Stanley, along with them, they show up and shoot him dead again. Never going to be any trial because they just shot him dead, and he he's he's at a place where no yeah. cop can touch him. Exactly. In the grave. Exactly. It's in the grave. Judges are so know, bored. That's... Judges and juries are so bored in, in Italy and in when giallos <laughs> exist because all cops are just, everyone's dead. It does, that's what the end result of every mystery is. Everyone's dead. No trial. No, it's, uh, Agent Stanley learned that the cufflings were forgery when he noticed a similar style pin on the stewardess that we kept coming back through the whole time. And then there's a whole thing of like, he had, th- th- these were a phony set of the the cufflinks of Kurt Balmer's cufflinks, like he might not have had from Turkey or something. I think. Yeah, they it were. Was, well, yeah. you knew they yeah. were forgeries, so they, they were in Turkey. That comes back to my earlier. It all comes full and circle. And the sex fiend killed in a different way, <laughs> and we notice that. Wait, no, that was Mrs. Ward. <laughs> Shit, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> like it's just, uh, yeah, this wasn't as good as Strange Vice as Mrs. Ward. I'll be honest. Like it, it's it's not. Uh, it's it's the weaker of the it two. It gets thrown in and it shows up. I saw it even show up on that Giallo page for Wikipedia and for the green scene. Uh, it does look beautiful and it has some, but it's sure it is. If it falls in my lower level, it falls in my. Uh, oh, if you watched a lot of them and you just kind of want another, because that's like that's yeah. it. Just get me yeah. another of them. Like sometimes that's where my viewing habits go. Is just like I can't think of what to watch. Yep, and I'm just gonna put on Tubi. And pick oh, a random, a random one, a giallo that I'll be like, "Have I watched this? What director is this? I don't even really know this director." Okay, um, and then I'll half the time be like, hey, "It was okay. I don't really remember much of it." And yeah, this one has the stylistics of Martino and beautiful people. Yeah, and so it's a little bit above those ones. But for me, yeah, I just it's it's such a lower level. It's just I don't know. It's like even the the biggest thing to not the biggest thing, but the music starts to become very stock. Yeah, like especially when they're on the boat, and it's just like it might as well just be European like music. Like it's not. You have every one of these movies has truly like unbelievable composers or some of the best progressive rock bands ever. Like, and you're just, there's no getting around where it's just like, Oh, that one has goblin. Like, Oh, okay. I'll watch that. Like, Oh, Osana did that. Like whatever it is. Um, Yeah. It's just not interesting music. It's closer to, the symphonic soundtrack stuff that I don't care about. No, I, I mean, I still liked it. I still think George Hilton was uh, was great. Like, they do an interesting thing where, you know, like, the, the guy who is one of the two primary characters investigating the mystery is responsible for it. I don't know if it all holds up. Like, there's a scene, the scene where, where 
Laura, mm-hmm. the wife, not the mistress. The scene where she's killed in the hotel. There's a scene where like he's down at the at the front desk, kind of, oh, is Mrs. is Mrs. Balmer still there? And he's kind of just all then there's the scene where she's killed, and then you cut back to him in the same clothes down at the hotel, looking just fine. Like not like he ran up in a flight of stairs and killed a, a woman and then came back down, changed out of his night monkey wetsuit. <laughs> like none of that. Like it's a little I don't know if I buy that this movie, this is the first one where I say I'm not sure I buy that it holds together. Yeah. Yeah. And that takes a lot to not buy an Italian movie. Um, <laughs> because it is like, it's just the reason you're coming or most of us who enjoy these are coming to them are for the stylistic aspects, the crazy internal logic, etc. And yeah. this one is just kind of missing some of those. And, and th- this one would be the example of like, I only watched it once and was surprised that actually, you know, enjoyed parts of it. But what, like when they remade Suspiria, I know that's not Giallo, but I was just like, why would you do that? It's not about the story. Right. Like, I don't care. Like I'm watching it for Argento and the actors and the specific choices. And it's the same for like a Martino film. Like I wouldn't be, if someone's like, I'm going to remake the strange vice of Mrs. Ward, who cares? Like, for me. I would remake The Case of the Scorpion's Tale and make it the first in the series of Cleo DuPont mysteries. Sure, that's the only remake part I can establish. Like yes, that. exactly. <laughs> yeah, once once it's successful and you get the second one, you rename it Cleo. Exactly. In The Case of the Scorpion's <laughs> Tale. Yeah. Oh. Done and done. What, what I find interesting about both of these movies, though, it, it, this is the curious thing, is that for all of the strange vices and, and all of that, unlike the bird with the crystal plumage, where it is genuinely a demented killer. Here, in both cases, the motive is purely profit. It's not a maniac who's killing. It's the reason it's money. It's all about money. And that's that's a super interesting difference. And I'll be curious, because I've never seen Your Vice is a Locked Room and only I have the key. Okay. Curious to see. And Torso. We're going to yeah. do Torso as well. So I'm curious to see He's how... a little bit more grounded, weirdly. Like, in my brain. Like, Martino's work is just, like, in the Italian way. But, like... It's not going to be fantastical. And like, right. even though he has Freud, it doesn't ever get like, in my mind, like most of the time, it's just it doesn't get like uber psychological of why they're doing this. Like in with issues, it's just like, yeah, money. <laughs> I don't know. Or humans. What do you want? I don't know. There you go. People. Well, I guess I will have to see going forward. I, I'm going to guess that different films are going to owe a different percentage to Blood and Black Lace. Yeah. And yeah crystal plumage um on the black lace crystal plumage scale where are you on the black lace crystal plumage scale 100 it's like how much when harry met sally did you have versus how much pretty woman exactly. did you have yes. right exactly. it's yes. a similar kind of idea although sleazier yes. <laughs> by a little but not much that's true not much that's true anyway i think that that brings us to the end jeff Thank you so much for joining us once again. It is great to have you with us at the beginning of our Giallo journey. Yes, thanks. Uh, Can you tell us where we can find the Canon Canon and 108.9, the Hawk, the pride of Valverde? Yes. Uh, Where can they be found out there in the world? Uh, Anywhere you find podcasts. Uh, We also have Patreons for both of them. Nice. Uh, Patreon.com slash Canon Canon, Patreon.com 
uh, slash 1089 the hawk. Uh, we've got a YouTube channel for the hawk too, where we put up uh, some bonus stuff. We, we do a lot on there. Um, nice. Well, we, we've been starting to do like video commentary, little mini episodes where literally we just watch like kisses, lick it up video and talk about it. <laughs> it's such a great concept. I love, I love the 108.9, the hawk concept. It's so good. Hey, yeah, it's fun. And now that we do, and you know, we do hawk, we do, both the fully improvised uh, lore of Valverde and a classic rock station. And then, you know, full rock talk episodes. Like we're doing Fleetwood Mac coming up uh, soon. We just did Metallica. Yeah. It's, it's uh yeah. So check both those out um, wherever you get your podcasts and like, and subscribe and tell your friends. <laughs> Absolutely. And next week, uh, next week on the show, we'll be discussing two more Gialli, both with animal themed titles and both from 1971. Uh, join us for the belly of, no, I almost had that wrong. It's the black belly of the tarantula, although I keep reversing it and calling it the belly of the black tarantula. It's the black belly of the tarantula, as well as the bloodstained butterfly. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Again, we are your hosts, Chris Iannacone and Rob Laborges. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and following us on Twitter, Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, all at Get Me Another Pod. We're on every social media platform, but it's always a Get Me Another Pod. If you like the show, Tell your friends about it. Tell your enemies about it. Tell that tall, handsome stranger who's probably planning to kill you about it. And join us next time as we continue to explore what happens when studios say, get me another. Please, Inspector Stavros. Then you must try and find him and tell him the murderers tried to kill again. Another woman, Claire Dupont. And please rush an ambulance to Coronaki Street 12. Peter Lynch.